Hi, I'm Shreen Fatek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time, be it trying to build discipline into their businesses, figuring out how elastic their brands can get, or going beyond social media. There's a lot to unpack. Joining me this week is Andrew Didham, CEO and founder of HIMS, the men's health company best known for well-packaged hair loss and erectile dysfunction products. HIMS born just over a year ago, has made an art out of making healthcare look good thanks to a network of doctors and a beautiful interface, getting prescriptions for medication made simple. The company's raised about $100 million previously. Now there are rumors that a new funding round places it at a whopping crazy $1 billion valuation. In this episode, Andrew and I talked about the flood of money in direct-to-consumer startups, if a shakeout is coming, and what it was like to launch the company's first women's product, hers. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to Making Marketing. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. Um, so for, for those who don't know what HIMS is or what HIMS does and um, aren't quite familiar with it, maybe they've sort of kind of know what it is, but aren't quite sure about what the whole story is. Give us very quickly how you describe the company. Yeah, so HIMS and now HERS, which we launched uh, just a couple of months ago, are two men's and wellness brands, uh, men's and women's wellness brands that essentially aim to get all of us access to treatments we need. Statistically, all of us are kind of suffering from the same kind of things from acne and hair loss and sexual wellness issues and sleep issues um, and be able to do it in a really beautiful experience and uh, an incredibly efficient manner and connect you with a physician and get those products delivered to your house. So it's just aiming to kind of build, I think, what is the first true healthcare brand, um, like a brand you actually love interacting with for your health instead of kind of avoiding at all costs um, and one that you rely on for, you know, a huge spectrum of things from vitamins to shampoos all the way to prescription medicine like birth control or anti acne creams or things like that. But, um, uh, you know, one you really, really love interacting with. So that's kind of what we're going after trying to build the future healthcare brand that, that all of us, uh, I think, have been missing for a long time. I think that's a, it's a great place to start because I think, you know, I think and I'm sure a lot of people sort of think of you um, as part of this big direct to consumer quote unquote wave that's sweeping kind of pretty much every category, right? From mattresses, apparel, uh, shoes, luggage. And I think health is such a fascinating space right now. What? Because I think you're somewhere between you are a direct to consumer company, but you're not you're not creating you're not in this like nicheification of, OK, I'm going to figure out one kind of good and fix that good. Um, you're kind yeah, of attempting that's a to great be word, nicheification. I, I know I just made it up. <laughs> I hope nobody hears me make up words anymore. If I make up any more words, definitely call me out on it. Um, <laughs> but Talk to me a little bit about kind of health and being in that space, because, you know, you're sort of in the scientific space. You cannot just get up one yeah. morning and say, I'm going to I'm going to make this product. There's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, bucket us as a direct to consumer brand. Right. And that's because the brand is fun. It's accessible. It's beautifully designed. It's considered in how <clears throat> in how we talk to people. But the reality is, is we're verticalizing a huge chain of things on the healthcare side. <clears throat> so it's everything from getting doctors available for you 24 hours a day to taking all of the pain and brutal waiting times of sitting at a pharmacy saying that you're picking up your birth control, pulling all of that out of the system and bringing it to you digitally on your phone. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think in a lot of ways, we might be one of the most direct to consumer brands because not only are we just taking out middlemen of shipping and you know manufacturing costs that would otherwise um, exist, but we're also taking out an entire healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So it's been really fascinating because what people see on the outside is is this beautiful brand that they love interacting with, just like as you said, a brand they would buy shoes from or a mattress from or a razor from. But behind the scenes, it's actually a healthcare network. It's you know 400 physicians that are licensed either in the U.S. or the U.K. We just launched in the U.K. last week. Um, those physicians then interact with an electronic medical system, an EMR that that we built in house, and they're seeing thousands of patients a day on our platform, answering literally hundreds of thousands of questions mm-hmm. and prescribing and creating treatment plans for these people at scale. So it's a really, um, it's an incredibly complex system behind the scenes, which is why the team is so excellent. And I give them so much credit for what we've been able to pull off because it really is complex. But on the outside, it's just a beautiful brand that people love. And I think that was one of the things we really wanted to do when building this company was, Mm -hmm. you know, could you build an incredibly efficient, safe, best-in-class patient experience from a healthcare system, but also do it wrapped in a brand that people love. Um, and I think that's that's really what we've been focusing on. So, and, and tell me a little bit about, I mean, when this started, uh, you've been, you know, you kind of, you basically set out to say, okay, this is not, things like this should not be this expensive or things should not be this difficult to get. It shouldn't, every, all of, all of this wellness, health, wherever, whichever products we're talking about should not really have so many pain points associated with them. And, you know, that's where kind of HIMSS was born and see as now you've extended, extended that so much. But you're, you know, you're going out there and you're saying you're talking to investors about this vision. And when you're when you go to investors with something that is a little bit far more actually complicated than, say, a mattress or say a shoe, because it does require physicians, it requires research, it requires scientific, you know, rigor. Um, What was that experience like kind of going out into the market and trying to raise money and saying, okay, we're trying to disrupt health. We're not trying to disrupt shoes. Yeah, you know, it's it's both something that uh, people get exceptionally excited about and also really wary about, right? Like, as, as you can imagine, the complexities and the degree of seriousness that needs to be taken when you are um, reviewing and evaluating and building systems for which patients are seeking treatment is massive. I think the, the beautiful part about what we've done is there's a lot of amazing precedents in markets. So Teladoc, for example, it's a $4 billion public company. It's a telemedicine company. They've got amazing standards that they've put in place, which say, here's how doctors should interact with patients. Here's how we can help them make sure that they're doing a great job. Here's how we can guarantee patient safety. And so I think there's a lot of best in class um, forward leaning motion towards telemedicine. Um, and it's important just because people very instinctively don't like to interact with the the doctors, right? Like if we could do 90% of what we have to do in person on our phone, we would. And so you see things like One Medical and you see things like Forward and you see things like Teladoc really starting to grow. And so I think there is just a lot of wealth of information about how to do it well. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the other benefits of it that that I think, you know, we've raised a lot of money. We've raised, you know, almost $100 million in the last year. And we've been live for maybe 13 or 14 months. 
And I believe there's reports of a new funding round, which I was about <laughs> there, to ask there, you about. <laughs> there are reports of a new funding round um, that I can neither confirm or deny at all. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, the opportunity is massive. And I think it's a really, it's a really gut level reality, which is none of us love having to go to the doctor. Right. None of us love picking up medicine in a pharmacy. None of us love the experience of taking pills. Um, and when you actually look at statistically, you know, adherence to medication in the United States, it's horrendous. Right. So the very, very few people who are prescribed medications actually take them and take them at the right dosage and then and then continue to take them throughout the proper times that they're supposed to. And this is arguably the most expensive part of the healthcare system today is people not properly getting, picking up, taking, and staying on the right medicines. And so if you could build a brand that, that you know, helps encourage men in their 30s to go get tested for cholesterol issues, because half of us have high cholesterol, then <clears throat> we should be doing something about it. And it's one of the biggest killers of us. If you can build a brand that activates them to go take care of those issues, and then you build an experience for which it's really easy for them to, you know, chat with the doctor and get tested. And maybe it's an at-home kit, um, but then the medicine gets delivered to their door. And when the medicine shows up, it's beautiful and it tastes good and it doesn't smell it's bad. Millennial marketers rattle. dream, great packaging. Yeah, right. It's just the whole experience. Sure. Yeah, the whole experience is just beautiful. Um, I think you can fundamentally change patient outcomes and you could fundamentally change the percentage of the population that is actually seeking treatment, <clears throat> which is a huge, huge benefit to, to the population in whole. So mm -hmm. I think that's why, you know, the vision is huge, right? This vision in, in a lot of ways looks nothing like a direct to consumer company, right? You know, in that we believe this, this can be a multi-generational $50, billion company. And every time I do an interview, I say a bigger number because I have every single that. month, yeah, every single month as we build this company, I realize it's kind of limitless and it's only bound by what we believe to be possible because you've got an entire healthcare system uh -huh. that is very rapidly moving to a digital first experience. And that means there's an opportunity to build a consumer friendly platform that that people can for the first time take their healthcare and put it in their hands just like they have every other purchase decision in their hands and from their phone mm -hmm. they should have the exact same types of, uh, of education opportunities and purchase decisions with regard to their health and I love that you pointed that out because I think last time you know you spoke uh, with us at Digiday, I believe we we said twenty billion. So it's it's you've definitely increased that number, which I love. And I think that's a great point because look, wellness, you know, wherever sort of the parameters of that wellness world fit in, is a multi-trillion-dollar business. And I think what's interesting about Hims to me um, and hers now is just the elasticity of the brand itself because you started as you know in one product and then it's since then it's kind of grown and I guess the options technically at least from a product perspective to you are are they limitless is there sort of a limit to that elasticity of how far that brand can go and what new areas it can go in yeah it, I think that's one of you know the more powerful and exciting parts of, of the brands that we've built is that they really do speak for you taking control of your health and that could encompass a lot of things, right? And one of the things that we've, we've learned, and this is kind of a, a, a new trend, is 
you know, the younger generation, when they think of their health, they don't really, you know, discern between whether that means Western medicine and pharmaceuticals or whether that means vitamin supplements or whether that means, uh, you know, yoga and meditation, for example, right? It really is in one bucket. And so I think it's really important for the brand to, to speak to a lot of those things and say, hey, your health and wellness is actually really, um, really wide. And it involves a lot of different types of plans and a lot of different types of care to help you be the best version of yourself. And we're going to help you achieve as many of those as we can. And some of them we'll be able to do entirely ourselves, just like we fulfill birth control and skincare and sleep and immunity and heart health and erectile dysfunction and acne and anti-aging and hair loss, right? Like we do all of that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll continue to do, you know, this year, I think there's 30 new products and categories launching this year alone. And it will include a ton more of things that we worry about and are concerned about every single day. Mm-hmm. And in some situations, maybe we can't do them ourselves and we'll partner with great organizations or great provider networks of physicians or great testing companies that can help us provide really amazing, easy at home testing. Um, but at the end of the day, the brand is, is the most important asset in our opinion. It's, it's, the, it's the company that you come to when you need to take care of something. It's the company you come to when there's something you're worried about and you want to see what the right treatment is or what the most mm-hmm. statistically safe and most documented treatment is. Or if you have a question and you want to ask a doctor really quickly, you jump on your phone and you can come to hers and quickly yeah. chat with your you know, it's like that, that is, I think what we're going to own. And some of the things mean we won't build it ourselves. We'll, we'll work with other great, incredible people to build it with them. Could that include working with, I mean, big CPG companies? Could that include going to legacy companies as I, as people call them and saying, okay, there are partnerships here. Is that something you've thought about? No question. Yeah. No question. It can include that. Um, you know, we, we talk to dozens of companies every week, Mm -hmm. um, across the spectrum of, uh, you know, existing massive CPG companies, as well as large pharmaceutical companies, boutique pharmaceutical companies that have incredible medicines that are in the works and in progress and going through FDA approvals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something, you know, we and our medical team spend a lot of time on, which is just what are the best treatments? What does the data say? And, and how can we um, how can we provide what is best in class to people mm-hmm. um, in ways that they currently are not getting access to? Maybe it's because the price is too expensive. Mm-hmm. How can we bring that price down 80% so that this medicine, which is incredible, can actually get to the people who need it? Um, or maybe it's the experience is horrendous and takes 10 steps. How do we take those 10 steps and make them two steps? Mm-hmm. You know, those are the types of conversations that, that we spend a lot of time on. So, so there's a few different things that you're, you, you know, you're, you're kind of selling here. I mean, one is obviously the ease of use, trying to solve a pain point where the customer is able to get what they want with it being not painful the way it has been in the past with other more traditional methods. Um, one is obviously on price. I mean, there are certain things you can sell cheaper because you don't have that middleman, you don't have the overhead costs and so on. Talk to me a little bit about sort of the membership aspect of it too, because you, you've you've got kind of the membership fee and sort of a subscription model almost that I find really yeah. interesting. Um, how does that play into this? And what have been, what have been some of the in, more interesting kind of challenges if, as you've grown that part of it? Because again, subscriptions are very different um, just as a business model than it is to just sell things, right? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, 
almost 90 plus percent of our orders are subscription orders. Mm -hmm. Um, And that includes not only a treatment for uh, a medication or a vitamin supplement or shampoo sets for hair loss. It could include a lot of things, but 90 plus percent are subscription and membership. And, and what that gets you when you come to hims and hers is essentially 24 seven access to physicians. And it gets you access to medications you otherwise would be paying through the roof for. Um, and so it's a really powerful service because I think for the most part, you know, we all, we all have insurance, we all have, um, corporate benefits that we could use. The problem is when you ask 90% of millennials, who's their doctor, they can't tell you that doctor's name. And so there really is this missing gap between a personal trusted on-call accessible relationship that you can lean on when things happen and when you're concerned with things or when you just have questions about things. And so that's what the membership, that's what the subscription with hims and hers gets you is access to all of that. Um, Not only the best products at the best rates, but also it gets you access to these physicians who are true experts and are truly on call through the best digital means that we're all used to using, right? Pick up your phone, send a text message or pick up your phone and send an email. It's that type of communication method. And, and I think that's something we're gonna be investing a, a tremendous amount in, um, just because we, we really believe that, that the flexibility, the access, um, the, the ability to just have a quick conversation is really valuable and it's very much missing from, from the existing system. One, you know, if, if sort of going simply by the New York City subway, my personal uh, my personal barometer for everything uh, to do with DTC, um, you've been spending a lot of advertising. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the roadmap there from early days to today. Kind of how have you, how have you sort of changed or adjusted kind of marketing plans, advertising plans? Um, and what have you learned along the way? Yeah, it's great. Great question. Um, you know, our, our strategy has been fairly consistent and I think has stayed, um, kind of stayed the course, which has been aimed at doing a few things. First, it's to make people laugh, right? It's to make people giggle. It's to break the ice on the fact that we're talking about things that often are exceptionally uncomfortable to deal with. Um, and so, you know, you'll notice when you go through New York or LA or Boston or Chicago, or when you're watching a basketball game or a baseball game or whatever it might be, you'll see our ads, they're very different, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're intentionally made to, to destigmatize what we know to be very common issues, right? Sure. So everything that we- all of that. Yeah, exactly. And these things historically have been considered issues that you know men in their 60s and 70s might be dealing with. You imagine you know, a Caucasian man with graying hair on a beach with linen pants and his beautiful <laughs> wife sitting next to him. Like, that is what you think of when you think of um, these these types of ailments. The problem with that is that in reality, 40 plus percent of men in the 30, 40 year old range and below are dealing with this also. Um, and so it's really important to, to destigmatize and to normalize. And so that's what a lot of our advertising intentionally does is it tries to make you laugh, tries to get your attention, but then tries to say, hey, it's okay, it's normal, everybody's dealing with it, whether or not you wanna say that or not. And so because of that, let's crack some jokes, but then push it to the side and be like, let's take care of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how you do it and here's an affordable method. So I think that was like a, a that's a really important part of our, our marketing. It's very different, I think, from from most other healthcare brands, which are all about 
you know, get your medicine discreet, get it quickly, get it easily. No one will know. Sure, you know, like we, we, the we, older kind of more traditional way of marketing. That's right. These things has has been that. Right. It's been very fear based. It's very much leading. It's leaning into the stigma mm-hmm. um, and saying you should be ashamed of this. And so we're going to wrap marketing in a way that encourages you to to use our service. And, and we're just totally different from that. We just want to we, we want to blow up all of this mm-hmm. and, and say it's normal. So I think that's a big part of it. I think that the destigmatization is is just a really interesting kind of thread, though, that's running through a lot of different personal care, wellness, you know, whichever place you call it, uh, part of the industry. I mean, I'm reminded of um, Thinks that very famously sort of had the right. had the subway uh, system ban their advertising, quote unquote, because you know they, it was like a cracked egg that looked like so many other things. There was a grapefruit that looked like a vagina. There was a lot going on, but and you are seeing kind of overall any of these new, you know, call them new brands or just brands that are trying to destroy up spaces say okay let's let's not lean into that stigma let's call a spade a shovel and whichever direction they're going or whichever category they're in is there is there a fear or a danger you have where it's just do you worry that everything's going to fall into the sea of sameness when it comes to marketing <laughs> marketing companies because again if people who don't really know what hims is yet or maybe they don't really know what the product is everything starts kind of being you know here's a grapefruit here and here's a something else happening here and they're seeing all this news they're seeing all of this happen um and you want to stand out that's that's the key yeah i i it, you know it's something our team spends a ton of time on right like how do you continually speak to men and women in very authentic manners in ways that really resonates with them and in in situations that they're able to like truly digest the message right and so when you when you look at the hymns and hers marketing plan and strategy it's not just subways right you'll see us in urinals you'll see us in gym locker rooms you'll you'll hear us on podcasts if you're at fire island or you know, um, Nantucket, you'll see a plane flying by, right? Like <laughs> things that literally are it's memorable for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's things that are considered crazy. And, um, you know, it's, it's exceptionally important to our brand in that when you're building a really trusted health company, you need to be able to have many touch points with an individual, right? It's not just enough to, to be on their Instagram feed, mm. right? It's not just enough to show up on a Facebook ad. And I think, um, you know, I've said this before, but I really believe it. It's, it's never been easier to build a company um, mm. because you can just launch something quickly on a website. You can create some ads on Instagram and then boom, you're there, you've got a company. And there's a whole ecosystem around that ease. You could you create That's a Shopify right. that there's, you know, agencies that are just doing this and they're, they're really great at it. Um, and, then totally you do correct. it. But then what comes what comes after, you know, the first few million, right? <laughs> That's right. What comes after that? And so it's 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 tough because it's in, in a lot of ways never been easier to create a company. And for that reason, I think it's also never been harder to build a brand, right? It's it's you, you need to do so much more to build a very personal, tied, long term, multi decade relationship with somebody to build a Nike or to build a Levi's, right? And so I think that that is what we spend a lot of time thinking about. That's what, what our team focuses on. Um, and, you know, and that's what I think, you know, is most important in building something that you believe should be around for a very long time. 
Absolutely. You mentioned actually, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And um, I, it's just I feel like that's such a change in a way um, just from even a couple of years ago. I and mean, you, you did have brands, um, great brands that were spending, pouring tons of money into Facebook and Instagram. And uh, it's funny, one of the things I've been hearing more is that, oh, DTC brands drove all the prices up. You know, I'm hearing that from <laughs> from other from other companies now, which which is really funny. And you are seeing a little bit of obviously a migration away, um, a recognition that maybe it's, you know, you're going to have to spend in different places. There's going to have to be a diversification of that. You can't simply just throw something up on Instagram and call it a day. Um, right. Has, has that been true? Is, is sort of that, has that kind of, where is being advertised, you know, whether in your experience or just what you know of the market, um, is that something that's happening? That sort of, it's a move away from just these social channels into a lot of other places and then starting to look a lot more like traditional quote unquote advertisers. Yeah, I think, I think it is happening. Um, I don't think it's happening as quickly as people think. Um, and that's for the reason that it's just really easy to, to set up some, some ads and click a few buttons and then there you go. Right. So it, it's kind of least resistant path to building a company. And so I, I do think most companies that I, that I work with or advise or get to know, you know, you've got 80 or up to 90% of their spend, uh, solely on those paid social channels. Um, and I think that's, that's incredible because it's so easy to scale. It's also really scary, right? You've got massive um, diversity risk in that the second those channels get saturated, the second you have a competitor, um, you're kind of at the whim at, of these open marketplaces. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of teams are starting to think about how they can test new strategies, how they should think about building um, in a lot of ways, like a portfolio of investments, which are marketing channels. Mm -hmm. Some of them work, some of them don't, um, but you keep investing and you keep learning. And how do you do that in an efficient manner and not burn through money? Um, but I do think it's a really critical thing for people to do. So when you look at the HIMS marketing strategy and marketing plan, um, as well as with hers, a very small percentage of where we deploy money is what I would consider open marketplaces, like a Facebook or like a Google or places like that. Um, very small percent. And I think it's, it's, it's intentional so that we really can control um, our costs and we mm. can control diversification. And so when other companies come into the space, when other brands decide to pop up, we're not really at risk of those normal market dynamics. Um, and mm. it's, it's, it's a strategy that takes a lot of time. It's one that we worked on probably for you know, two years prior to actually going live with the company, which is kind mm -hmm. of an incredible thing to say, but we really did spend that amount of time. Um, but I think it's something teams need to, need to start spending a little bit more focus on. I think that's a great point because I, I think there is sort of a narrative now coming uh, and I'm curious about your viewpoint if it's true or not that, you know, you, you can't have so many brands just starting up every day you just, you just the market cannot sustain this and um there is going to be some level of shakeout people are, investors are going to start asking questions and say okay you know are the brands that i've invested in actually making money is there is there right. more here because there there was a rush there were i mean there were days where it just felt like every day i had i saw something new um and a lot of the action was focused in cpg it was focused in personal care it was focused in you know quote unquote again wellness um is there is there just sort of a little bit of a discipline coming, sort of whether internally and externally in this whole <laughs> new brand thing? Is that what's going on? I I think there will be right. I think yeah. what happened is this this massive realization 
that you could build a company on the backbone of social platforms, right? I think for a lot of times, investors were looking to invest in the platforms. They were looking to find the next Facebook, the next Twitter, the next Instagram, the next Snapchat. And then I think in the last three or four years, everybody kind of had this light bulb, which was actually what we should be looking at is building companies on top of these platforms. And then there's a huge rush of capital to every product you could imagine for, for direct to consumer. And it was great because all of a sudden the consumer had outrageous number of choices yeah. from really beautiful considered um, products, highly fragmented, highly diversified, um, but those existed. Um, and so I do think now we're at a phase where you know, those same investors are going to start to ask second and third and fourth level questions, right? It's, it's a beautiful design. It's a beautifully considered product. And, and those are, you know, great, but how diverse is it and how easy is it to switch? And are the margins actually good? Is it a good business? Mm -hmm. Um, is it, is it a big enough market? Is it a big enough company? Um, can you expand once you have somebody loyal to product a, can you expand to product B, right? And so I, th I do I do see these questions starting to be asked. I think it will accelerate very quickly in the coming couple of years. Um, but but it's a very natural course. Yeah. So investing nice. and building healthy. building different types of brands, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't I don't suspect that it's you know crazy. I think it's probably coming into a really nice balance. Awesome. I, I did want to not let you go without talking a little bit about hers because uh, I'm curious about just, you know, what it was like to go into, you know, again, a, a new customer. I mean, I'm sure a lot of women were buying hymns for uh, for <laughs> men. So I know that you already had yep. some, I'm sure, some insight into that. But um, what was surprising or interesting or exciting about hers? Yeah, you know, launching hers was, was really fun because it was, interestingly enough, more authentic and easy to pull off than launching hymns. Hmm. And it's because the majority of our team is women. Um, so like <laughs> 70, yeah, so 75, 80% of our executive team, senior directors, managers are women. Um, and they have been since we launched. Um, and so it, it came very naturally to the team. It's, it was something that very early when we were working on hymns, you know, we knew that the opportunity was was just as big, if not bigger for women. And it was even more frustrating for women, right? It's waiting in line every single month for birth control. And sometimes insurance takes it and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes the doctor makes you come in and sometimes they don't. Hmm. And when you have a UTI, you know, you need to take three to four hours off of work as opposed to just going and picking up the medicine you need, right? There's all of these friction points that that women really struggle with that men actually just don't have to. So we, we, we really saw the opportunity to be equal, if not bigger. Um, and also I think it just came very naturally, right? It's the same type of messaging of, Hey, we respect you. We're invested in you. We love you. We care about you. And for that reason, we're either going to push you to go take care of yourself, or we're going to take out all of the friction in between you and the stuff you need and make it way easier. Right. And on the men's brand, it was much more about encouraging guys to kind of get off their butt and go, you know, seek treatment for stuff they should be seeking treatment for. Mm -hmm. And on the women's side, the messaging is a little bit different. It's a little bit like, hey, you, you actually know for the most part what you need. Like you're mm -hmm. you're way more trained and way more <laughs> uh, educated. You've done far more research than your male counterpart statistically <laughs> when we look into this. So it's less about encouraging you to go take action and more about 
taking all the, the BS mm. out of the, the funnel that you have to go through in order to get what you, what you know you need. Um, so it's a very different brand, but, but the team has just had an incredible amount of fun doing it. Um, it's a very small company, right? We're only about 45 or 50 people, um, but they're all exceptionally veteran and senior and have built some of the biggest companies and brands we know. So mm-hmm. um, we, we've been able to keep it small, but, but move really quickly. Amazing. Great. Before I let you go, what does it feel like to at least, at least have it in reports that, you know, $1 billion company? Is it crazy? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, th- I think every part of the last year has been crazy. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think as, as we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. with every month that goes by and every conversation we have, um, the opportunity gets uh, exponentially larger. And so I think we're just trying to um, stay focused and continue to deliver awesome services to people and continue to think about new categories and new products that we can bring to market that people will love and that they need and that they otherwise are just not getting access to. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Give us a shout out on iTunes or tweet at me. I'm at Shireen Patek. You can also send me an email at shireen at I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>